there! Thanks for listening to the Elevate Christian Church podcast. We exist as a church to connect people with God and each other. Today's message comes to us from our lead minister and preacher, Kevin Barton. We hope this inspires you, grows you, and challenges you in your faith and your walk with Jesus. Enjoy! We are going to continue with our series entitled Five Seasons, where we've been looking at these seasons that we go through uh, in life. And so I want to start by kind of reminding you of our two cornerstone scriptures uh, for this series. Uh, One is Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, that says, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. Uh, We all know that we go through different seasons in life, especially as we age, and and we'll get into that in just a minute. Uh, But the second cornerstone scripture for the entire series uh, is Psalm chapter 90, verse 10. Uh, This is a psalm that was written by Moses, and Moses says this, The years of our life are 70, or if by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Uh, and so uh, it, it, we, if you're over 80 years of age, um, we, we said last week you are extremely blessed because the average life expectancy in America is about 80 years old, just, just under 80 years. Okay, so this makes it real easy when you talk about the four seasons uh, spring, summer, fall, and winter, you can uh, divide them into like 20-year increments. Okay, and here's what we've been saying, uh, what we said last week, and we talked about spring, uh, that is youth, so that is birth through 20 years of age. Uh, summer is 21 to 40 years of age, we would call that adulthood, and then fall, the fall of life would be 41 to 60 years of age, we kind of call that middle-aged uh, and then winter would be 60 uh, to 80 uh, or, or beyond that, and then we would classify that as old age. And so last week, we talked about springtime, uh, the spring of life, those birth through 20. Today, we're going to talk about summertime of life. So we'd be speaking directly to those of you in here who are 21 uh, to 40 years of, of age. Uh, and when I walked off the stage last week, this thought, I immediately started thinking about this week's message and and, and the Holy Spirit kind of threw this thought into my mind about the summer season of life. And the thought is this, Uh, this is a season of life that starts with excitement, but sometimes ends with pure exhaustion. All right, so let me explain what I mean by this. The, the, The summertime of life you know, you're over 18, you're starting to gain your, ind- your independence, you're, uh, some of you may be on your own already. Um, and so the first big exciting time for this season of life would be those who graduated from college. You've got your college degree uh, and you've got the world at your feet. Now, some of you started your career at 18, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you're a little ahead of the game, but it's a, it's a very exciting time. Uh, and then you move into this season where you begin your career, all right? You try to begin your ascent up the corporate ladder, uh, if you will, and the whole world is before you. I mean, you've got limitless opportunities. 
This is a season in life where many people fall in love and get married. Or they get married and they realize they weren't in love in the first place. It's, it's one of the two, right? Um, but there's a lot of excitement, you know, for, for your wedding day. And you're, you're going to be married to your beloved and you're going to start your life together. This is a season where most people buy their first house. You ever remember buying your first house and getting those keys and moving in and you were out of your parents' house, this was your castle and you could walk around in your underwear if you wanted to, you could eat all the ice cream you wanted, you could throw your laundry on the floor and your parents aren't going to uh, yell at you or scream at you. So it's a, it's a very exciting season. This is normally the season where we begin to build our families. You know, we have children and there's a lot of excitement and a lot of hope and a lot of anticipation wrapped up in that. And so this is a season uh, that is very, very exciting. Everything is new and, and, and excitement is at a fever pitch. But this is also a season over a 20-year span that oftentimes ends with exhaustion, right? You start having kids and then you realize, man, these kids are a lot of work, I mean, being a parent is just not as easy as you thought it would be. Uh, there's always a mess on the floor. There's always something to clean up. There's always a diaper to change. There's always a snotty nose to wipe. There's, there's just all kinds of things going on. It's during this season that your life can be consumed by your children. Getting them up for school, getting them to school, getting them to music lessons, getting them to the ball field, taking them to and fro. You, you feel somewhat like you're a part-time Uber driver uh, specifically for your children, and it can be absolutely exhausting. This is also a season where there may be some teenage drama uh, that can absolutely drain the mess out of you. Um, I want to take you real quick to Ecclesiastes 3, 5, um, and this just stood out to me uh, when I was studying to, uh, to, and developing this series um, sometime last year, um, and it's this. It's the latter part of verse 5 where Solomon's going through a time for this, a time for that. He says this, during this summer season, there is a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. So if I could paraphrase, there's a time when you're going to hug a lot and receive a lot of hugs, and there's a time when you're probably not going to hug very much and you're not going to receive uh, very much hugs. And, and, and that sometimes happens during those teenage, uh, dramatic-filled years, right? Uh, when you, many of you remember when your kids were little and you would come home and they would come running up to you and it was a hug fest and they always wanted a hug and they always wanted you to hold them. And then something happens around 13, 14, 15 is different for every kid. When you come home and, and, and you're expecting to be embraced and they won't even look at you. And you're like, hey, how you doing? Fine. Right? Or, hey, good to see you. Hi. Uh, and, and that's all you get out of them. They're, they're, there's no hugs. They don't even want you to touch them, uh, more or less hug them. And so it, it can be a very frustrating season as a parent. This summer season of life also is where people get themselves into massive amounts of debt. Because they want the house, they want the car, they want the best for their children, uh, and they live beyond their means. And nothing will drain the life 
out of a couple's relationship more than financial stress and financial debt. It will absolutely kill joy, intimacy, everything you can imagine in a relationship. This is a season that began with excitement. You got married, but it's also a season uh, where marriages begin to deteriorate, to deteriorate at their foundation. Uh, much of it due to the financial stress that's put on the marriage itself. Uh, did you know that financial uh, stress is the number one cause of divorce? In fact, more people are divorced over arguing about finances than all other reasons combined. Okay, and so this is also a season, the summer season of life, 21 to 40, where the divorce rate becomes very, very high during this stage of life. You see, it's a season that starts with all this excitement, but often ends with exhaustion. All the things that were once so exciting become absolutely life-draining. And so the word for people who live in this season is the word busy. It is the single most busiest season of a person's life. I want you to think about summertime for a minute. Uh, particularly when you were a kid. Um, I remember being a kid. I loved summer. Uh, one of the main reasons I loved summer is because there was no school. Um, I've never been a very good student. I, I've always tried to, I've always had to struggle to get through middle school, high school. I don't even know how I graduated college. Um, so I loved not having school. But the thing I loved the most about the summer season, about summertime, was the fact that we had 12-hour days. I mean, it, it was daylight, and I love it here because it's, it doesn't get dark till like 9.30. And so you could leave the house and you could be gone for 12 hours straight and just play and play and play. A lot of daylight. I spent a lot of summer days uh, with my grandparents uh, on their little farm. Uh, my grandfather grew apples. He had a few apple orchards. He had a cherry orchard. He had cows. Uh, he baled hay. He had this huge garden. And so he literally, during the summertime, got up with the rooster and he worked from sunup to sundown, like these long 12-hour days all summer long, okay? That is the picture I want you to have in your mind as we go forward, as we talk about this stage of life that many of you are in. It is just very, very busy. You are always on the move. And so as we go back to Ecclesiastes chapter 3 for, for a few minutes, Solomon is painting a picture for us here. I think what he's doing is he's giving us a visual, uh, a, 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 an actual living visual of the immense amount of work that a farmer has to put in during the summertime. So I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. You know verse 1 because it's our cornerstone scripture. He says, For everything there is a season, a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill, that's interesting, and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up. He's giving us a picture of life on the farm here. All right, so he, the first thing he says is there's a time to plant 
and there's a time to pluck up what's planting. It's during late spring and early summer that you're planting and you're pulling weeds and you're pruning. You're doing everything humanly possible to get ready for the fall's coming harvest. He says there's a time to kill and a time to heal. Now, when we read that, we kind of, kind of are taken aback a little bit and we say, a time to kill? A time to heal. What does that phrase even mean? Um, uh, so one of the Ten Commandments is thou shall not murder. All right. And so when we read this, a time to kill and a time to heal, we kind of scratch our head and say, wait a minute, is Scripture contradicting itself? God says, do not murder. But Solomon says, hey, there's a season of life. There's a time to kill. All right. I would take you back to the farm illustration, if you will. The word kill in Ecclesiastes means to kill. It doesn't mean to murder. Uh, they're two different words. Okay, so on the farm during the summertime, you might kill a hog. You might kill some chickens. You might kill the fattened calf because you're on a farm and, and, and you've got to eat. So there's a time to kill. Uh, they didn't have tractors back then. So you had mules and oxes and, and horses and you might have an injured animal. And sometimes you have to kill that animal to put it out of its misery. Other times you can heal it. You can nurse it back to health. Health. This is what Solomon's talking about. Then he says there's a time to break down and a time to build up. If you've ever spent any time or lived on a farm, you know that a lot of time in the summer uh, you're tearing down old barns and rebuilding new ones. You're tearing down old fences and rebuilding new ones. Um, and so Solomon is giving us this picture here about how busy this season of life is, this summertime of life. And so, if you're in here this morning, and you're in this category, and, or you have kids in this category, or even grandkids in this category, um, it is the busiest time of your life or their lives. There is always something to do. It's during this season of life that I believe time becomes the most precious commodity that, that we can possess. But we have to use it wisely. We cannot squander it away. So if I were to tell you, um, I'm going to start a bank account for you, and each morning there's going to be deposited into your account $86,400 uh, each morning. How many of you would be excited about that? Uh, the rest of you who aren't raising your hand or are asleep or lying, right? Like, because, yeah, $86,400 every day, all right? But, but it has some restrictions on it. Uh, you're only, uh, you're not allowed to keep any cash, and you have to spend that $86,400 that day. And what you don't spend, you, you lose. So most of us would try to draw out every cent uh, every day and use it to our advantage, the funny thing is, we all have such bank accounts. It's called time. Every morning, the Lord credits you with 86,400 seconds. And every night, it rules off as loss whatever of this you fail to invest for good purposes. It carries no balances. It allows no overdrafts. Each day opens a new account with you and I. And if we fail to use the day's deposits, the loss is ours. There's no going back and there's no drawing against tomorrow. See, time is this super precious commodity. Uh, 
So in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, the first eight verses, the word time is mentioned 28 times. Okay, I think Solomon's getting to something here. We don't have a lot of time and we have to use it wisely. Time is so, so valuable. It's so important. So with that in mind, I just want to take a few minutes of your time here. And last week, we talked to those of you in the springtime of your life, and we gave you springtime advice. Well, today, I want to give you summertime advice. And I want to say this. If you're over, if you're like 41 and over, or 20 and, and, and younger, you may say, well, I'm not in that season of life, so this doesn't apply to me. I think what I'm going to teach you today um, it, uh, can be used by anyone. Uh, but I'm speaking specifically today to those of you who are in this summertime season of your life. I've just got three pieces of advice, all right, and they all do with time. Number one is simply this. The best advice I can give you is to take time for God. Take time for God. I'm going to read you three scriptures, and I'm not going to talk about each scripture after I read it. I want to see if you can notice a common theme here. All right, and these three scriptures are from the books of the Bible uh, that we often avoid, you know, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, kind of that, where, you know, you go through Genesis and you're excited and then you get to the books of the law and you're like, we just want to rip your eyeballs out. All right, but, but I want you to notice the common thing. The first one is Deuteronomy 18.4. It says this, the first fruits of your grain, of your wine and of your oil, and the first fleece of your sheep, you shall give to him. In other words, you shall give it to the Lord. Second scripture, Exodus 21, 19. We'll read the first part of that. The best of the first fruits of your ground, you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. And then Leviticus 23, 10. Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land that I give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. Do you notice the common theme here? The common theme is what we call the principle of the first fruits. And the principle of the first fruits is this bring your best to God. Before you serve anybody else, before you help anybody else, before you love anybody else, before you do anything for anybody else, before you spend time with anybody else, first spend time with God. First bring your best to God. Genesis chapter 4 um, is that uh, story in the Bible where two brothers, Cain and Abel, bring their offerings to the Lord. Now it ends very badly for Abel because his brother Cain strikes him down and kills him. Cain gets mad, and the reason Cain gets mad is because both Cain and Abel bring offerings to the Lord, but the Lord rejects Cain's offering, but accepts Abel's offering, all right? And I've heard theologians say that's because Cain brought uh, uh, grain from the land, and, and Abel brought an animal, and the, lud, the Lord requires blood sacrifice uh, because blood of Jesus is going to cover our sins. Um, yeah, maybe, but when you look in the text, it tells you explicitly that Cain brought a offering. He brought kind of what was left over, what he could scrape together, but Abel brought the best, the first fruit of his offering. And so we call this the principle of the first fruits. Now, we often use passages like this when we talk about tithing. 
when we talk about giving. And we would say this, listen, when you receive your paycheck, um, you've got bills, I've got bills, we've got all things that kind of things that we want to do. The first check that we should write should go to the Lord. That's the first fruit. And I think that's applicable. But I also, also think this applies to time. We have to be very intentional about making time for God. You see, making time for God should be a non-negotiable part of our daily routine. I want to tell you what I appreciate about my wife, Lindy. Um, I appreciate a lot of things about her. Uh, one, she has a full-time job. Um, she is our family minister here, which, which means she's in charge of birth through fifth grade and sixth grade through twelfth grade. Now, if you've been around here for a minute, you, you know traditionally those are two different jobs. We've paid two full-time staff members, one to do each job. She's doing both of them full-time. Okay? The other thing is, is she's a preacher's wife. And only those of you who have been married to a preacher are going to understand this, but she spends untold hours leading, guiding, and counseling women in our church. If people can't get a hold of me, the very next phone call comes to her, right? And so she has all that on, on her shoulders as well. In addition to that, she homeschools all five of our children. All right, so if you want to talk about a person who doesn't have enough hours in the day, it would be my wife, Lindy Barton. Now, let me tell you what I love about her so much. Every morning, she gets up early way before I do. And the first thing she reaches for is her Bible. She grabs her Bible. She grabs this little pack of highlighters. She grabs her notebook. This is before the coffee pot's even turned on. She goes in, she turns the coffee pot on, and the first hour of her day, she could be doing laundry. She could be writing lessons. You know, she just spends with God. She has been a role model to me in, in my life for that. You see, it's during this season of life when we have the least amount of time that we have to make time for God. I know how hectic this life can be because I've been through this season. And here's the prevailing thought. I just don't have enough time to spend with God. You know, if I could like foster my kids out to a, you know, a family uh, for a couple months and then I could spend some time with God, but we can't do that. Uh, um, but here's the cool thing that happens. When you do take time to spend with God first, you seem to be able to get more done in a shorter period of time. I can't explain that. It's, it's, it's something that's in God's economy, but I've seen it work for the last, how many years have I been married? So many years in my life. Um, 16, I think, maybe 15. It's because we're, we're relying on God's power not our own. We're spending time with God. We're not going to receive God's power if we don't spend time with him, right? You're not going to receive the blessing of your spouse if you treat your spouse like your relationship with God. All right, I've, I'm saved. I've been immersed. I've got my ticket to heaven. I'm good. Like, what if you had your wedding day and then afterwards you said, all right, thank you for marrying me. And then you never spoke to each other. You're not going to draw power from each other. And so we've got to spend time with God to draw in his power in our lives. So 
I've used this illustration before. It's just such a good illustration. Um, it happened on uh, New Year's Day many, many years ago at the Tournament of Roses Parade. That's that big parade before the Rose Bowl. Um, and so, like all parades, you have all these floats lined up and they, they come rolling down the street. Well, the parade about halfway through got held up because one of the floats ran out of gas. The whole parade was held up until someone could find a gas can. Now, what made this, is, uh, made this ironic is that the float that ran out of gas was the float for the Standard Oil Company. With these vast oil resources, they couldn't remember to put gas in the truck. Okay, and even though we're Christians and we can access the power of God, we can't access it if we don't take time to spend with the Lord. If we don't avail ourselves to His power. Our power is going to run out very quickly. So take time for God. Number two, take time for yourself. Okay, so during this stage, and those of you who are younger parents will probably understand this, and those of you who are older because you've been through it, during this stage of life, when these kids start coming in, our identity can sometimes be very interwoven with our children. Like our lives begin to kind of revolve around our children. You've got to learn, we've got to learn to take time for ourselves. Like, let me say it this way. To take time away from your children. I think one of the most noble careers on the face of the earth is those of you who are stay-at-home moms. But I also think there's an inherent danger in that because you never get a break. You are, I mean, it, it, your, your life is so wrapped up. Um, listen, moms, you, or stay-at-home dads, uh, this is 2021, uh, you, you, you need time for yourself. Call it me time, call it crazy time, call it mommy time. You just need time. And I would say this word to, to dads. I know you're tired when you get home from work and, and you want to sit on the couch and just chill. Uh, but you need to make sure that she has time for herself as well. Because I, I've come to find that uh, it seems like the, the, the ladies get gypped on this more than the men. She needs time. You need time. We all need time to ourselves. To withdraw from the crowds. To escape the hustle and bustle of life. To be able to walk and not step on a Lego or a Cheerio. Right? We've all got to take time for ourselves. We see this modeled by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. No one was more pressed for time than Jesus, but he always seemed to take time for himself. Look at Luke 5, 15 and 16. But now, even more, the report about him, about Jesus, went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmity. So he's got people around him all the time. But I love verse 16. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. I love that. He, Jesus, would withdraw to desolate places, places where he didn't have to be around people, places where he could be alone, sometimes by himself, sometimes with the Father to pray. And, and I love that because that's me. I like to withdraw to desolate places. Like, the best time of the year for me is coming up, fall, because it's hunting season. I could care less if I 
kill anything. But I'm in the woods. I'm in the middle of nowhere. I, I'm not surrounded by people. It's just me. It's me time. I, I, I love that. So one of, some of my favorite days happened last year. My oldest son, who's 14, Jay, um, he's, he can hunt on his own now. And so uh, we will go to our deer property uh, before the sun comes up. We'll pack backpacks and I'll say, all right, man, I'll see you in about nine hours when the sun goes down. All right, and I'm just there all day, sitting in my sand, drinking coffee, eating sandwiches. If I see a deer, I see a deer. If I don't, I don't. But I, I, I'm, it's, I'm alone, and, and he's alone. We've got to take time for ourselves. Now, you decide what you like to do. You decide what your desolate place might be. It could be Starbucks. It could be anything. Whatever relaxes you, you've got to take time for yourself. It's not selfish I believe it's selfless because when you allow yourself time to decompress, you're going to be a better spouse, you're going to be a more patient and you're going to be a better parent, you're going to be a better neighbor, a better coworker, a better boss, a better friend. So take time for God, take time for yourself, and then finally, number three, my last piece of summertime advice is to take time to rest. Take time to rest. I preach on this at least once a year, but we live in a pathologically busy culture. Like people wear busyness as a badge of honor. You've heard me say this a hundred times. It used to be back in the day, you would say, how you doing? Fine. Now when you say, how you doing? The number one answer is busy. There's not enough hours in the day. I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. See, the summer season of life, those of you who are in your 20s and in your 30s, this is going to be the busiest time of your life, as I've already mentioned, especially when you factor in kids and careers and doctor visits and money, all that involved. You see, it's during this season of life, these full days and these sleepless nights and these endless to-do lists that we have this unspoken sense in our soul that something is wrong. This is what life is? I don't have any time to do anything. I, I, I'm so busy that it, at 2 o'clock in the morning my mind is racing because I'm thinking about all this stuff that I have to do. This is not what God intended for us at all. Our bodies our minds, and more importantly, our souls long for rest. We have to be very, very intentional about taking rest. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and I am lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Um, in his book, Seismic Shifts, Kevin Harney says this about the passage I just read to you. He says, in this passage, God is asking you a few core questions. Do you feel weary and worn out? Is your burden too much to bear? Is it too heavy? 
Are you tired of carrying this burden alone? Do you need rest for your soul? Well, Harney continues, he says, if you answer yes to any of these questions, God has good news. He wants you to slow down. He wants you to rest. He wants you to take a nap. He wants you to discover that the Lord is still the shepherd who can lead you to green pastures. You know, I, in the past, have and I often do feel guilty when I do rest. Like, we live, just like you, my wife and I live at a breakneck speed. We're very, very busy. And so there are moments when I'm just like, you know what, honey, I just want to chill. Uh, you cool if I go into the room and lock the door <laughs> so the kids don't come in? I just want to watch a movie or something just to decompress. I'll get about 20 minutes in and I'll start fidgeting and I'm, and I'm like, oh, I got to go do something. I, I can't do this because she's out there and I'm in here. And, and so I rob myself uh, of rest. We shouldn't feel guilty when we rest. I want to encourage you to take time to rest. If we find ourselves wondering if God wants us to, to discover rest and incorporate it into our lives and our souls, all we have to do is look at his example to us, right? I'm going to take you to the book of Exodus 20. This is where the Ten Commandments are being written. And one of the commandments is this, picking up in verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day. Sabbath means rest. It's a day of rest. And keep it holy. The word holy just means set apart. Okay, so here's what he's saying. You've got seven days. Remember this one day. Keep it set apart. It should look different than these other six days. Keep it holy. Keep, keep it to honor God. Keep it to rest. Okay, you with me? Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day is the Sabbath day to the Lord your God. On it you shall do you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days, the Lord made heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. And he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord, he not only created it, he blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So here's my question to you. Why did God rest? Was he tired? God's all powerful. He doesn't get tired. Did he need a day off? He was like, you know, it was a really, things were going really good until I created the duckbill platypus and that kind of blew my mind. And I just need a day off to, to kind of recalibrate and rethink. Had he somehow overexerted himself and overdone it? Did he just need to recharge his batteries? The answer to all those questions is no. God took a day off as an act of love for you and for me. He rested so that he could model a rhythm of life that's essential for health and the well-being of us, his children, whom he loved. So if you don't already... I want to encourage you, and this is going to take some work, especially if you're in that 21 to 40-year-old category, to take a day of rest, to take a day of Sabbath, to take a day that looks different than the other six days of your life. We do this with our family. 
Uh, and it, it has just changed the whole dynamics of our family. It's just wonderful. Uh, so during the, during the year, it's usually Fridays. We call it family day. That's our Sabbath day. Uh, but during uh, the summer, not the summer of life, but the, the actual summer we're in, uh, we do it on Mondays. All right? And it's just a day that looks different. Okay? It's, it's a day that we don't homeschool our kids. Because we can't have a Sabbath on Sunday. That's the busiest day of the week for us. So on Mondays, they sleep in. We move at a very slow pace. We usually go out to lunch as a family. We just go places that we don't really shop. We just go to look. We'll go to Walmart, window shop. My boys like to look at lawnmowers, so we'll go to Tractor Supply at Home Depot and look at the lawnmowers. Just kind of, you know, moving slowly. And then it ends with us sitting around the table at, at, at a family, as a family eating dinner because I'm gone at least four nights a week usually out in the evening time, okay? It's a day that looks different. So we're selling our house. Um, actually, it closes a week from Monday. Um, and we're moving in with uh, my wife's parents, our in-laws, uh, for a short period of time while we look for, for another house. Uh, okay, and so those of you who have, who have sold a house recently, um, you, you realize when you've lived in a place for a number of years how much stuff you accumulate and how like, difficult it is to move. Okay, so here's the net result. For the last four weeks, three or four weeks, we've either been working for the church or packing, moving stuff to storage, taking stuff to the dump, right? Nothing will, will help you declutter your life than moving. You find out real important what's important to you, what you want to keep. All right, so for like four solid weeks, we have not rested. We, we have not had a family day. We have not had a Sabbath. We have not had a day that we set apart and kept holy uh, for, for the Lord. And the net result of that is I can feel it. My wife can feel it. We never fight. And I know I'm a preacher and I'm supposed to say that, but we just don't. I don't know why, we just, we don't, we don't ever fight. Well, here recently, we don't, we're not fighting, but you can tell we're getting on each other's nerves. I can tell the way I interact with people, especially on the road, uh, people even at church, um, that, that I'm a little shorter tempered than normal. Why? Because I haven't rested. I haven't honored the Sabbath. I haven't set apart that day and kept it holy. So man, when we get into our in-law's house, I'm going to rest for a day or two. Listen, we are not designed, no matter how ambitious you are, you are not designed by God for endless days of labor, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. You've got to take time to rest. I love what the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 30, 15. He says this, this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. In repentance and rest is your what? Salvation is pretty important, don't you think? So your salvation lies in part due to your repentance and your rest. In your repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. So he's talking to Israel here, and he's, he's saying, listen, you're not repenting, you're not resting, you're not honoring me, you're not setting aside this day and, and keeping it holy, and, 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 and that's the reason you're in the state that you're in. Take time to rest. 
as if your life depends on it. Slow down and enjoy the ride. There's an old adage that goes, stop and smell the roses. Don't just walk by, but stop and enjoy them for a little bit. So I took a very windy road to get here to Elevate. Um, before I was a youth minister, uh, before, I, before I was the preacher, I was the youth minister. Before I was a youth minister, I was a seventh grade science teacher. And um, I, I did this trip every year uh, for our students. Uh, we took them to John, the John Pennycamp State Park. It's in the Florida Keys. Um, and, and this is a beautiful place. It's, it's renowned for being one of the country's only undersea state parks. Okay, so it's a state park that's like five miles out in the ocean, and it's on this coral reef. All right, so every year I take between 50 and 60 seventh graders on this trip, uh, and, and we would go snorkeling. Uh, and, and what's interesting is you would get in these boats, all right, and you would just fly over the ocean for like five miles. And if you tried to look, all you could see was the wake, and, and you couldn't see anything, all right? And then you, you stop, the boat stops, you put on your mask, you put on your snorkeling gear, and you get into the water, and it is one of the most beautiful sights to behold. When you get into the water, everything's moving like in slow motion. You're kind of swimming to the cadence of your breathing. There is every color you can imagine. Now, when we were in the boat and we were speeding across the surface, we didn't see any of the beauty that lied just feet below us. It was only after we slowed down and took time to dive into the water that we were able to experience the staggering beauty of what God had made. Now hear me, in the same way, when we rush through this life, we miss so much of what God has in store for us just beneath the surface. It's in this summer season of life when you are so busy that you have a tendency to skim over relationships, relationships with your spouse, relationships with your kids. I remember when I only had two children <laughs> and they were little babies. And this dear, this dear woman at our church, she still goes here, she, she took me aside and she said, listen, you hold on to those babies. She said, because you are going to blink and they're gonna be teenagers. And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I just wanna get their diapers changed, get them home, get them, maybe they'll take a nap, <laughs> right? And listen, literally I have blinked and they are teenagers. It goes by so quickly. It's in this season of life we have a tendency to just hydroplane over all our relationships, over the intimacy, the joy, the depth, and the beauty that God has for us if we would just slow down and dive into Him. So to those who are in here in this season of life, and even beyond into middle and old age, and even before that in the springtime, remember to take time for God. Remember to take time for yourself. And remember to take time and rest. We hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast today. 
If you'd like to learn more about Elevate or partner with us in what God is doing here, check out our website at elevatecc.com. Until next time, God bless you and thanks again.